Welcome to the Manager Tools Podcast for Monday, January 30th, 2006. Welcome, everybody. This is your host, Michael Ozan, and on behalf of my partner, Mark Burson, and myself, welcome to Manager Tools. Manager Tools is a weekly podcast on management and what specific daily actions you can take to improve your management skills and improve your management performance. Today, we cover the second of two podcasts on managing your boss. Now, of course, as we spoke of last time, the term managing your boss doesn't really work. What we're talking about is managing your relationship with your boss. Now, if you haven't listened to the first of this series, I recommend you go to our website, www.manager-tools.com, or iTunes, and download and listen to the first part. Now, assuming that you have, let's get to it. Last week, we, we, we talked about the five areas in terms that you'd recommend folks focus on in relationship to their, their boss. And we have five of them, boss goals, boss communications, boss schedule slash time management, right. boss work style, and boss relationships. Last week, we attempted to, to get through them, and we ran out at, I think, at point two. Right. We, we finished goals and communications. Um, and, and, and the key, you know, the thing to remember to get us back in the swing of things is that the reason we ask people to focus on these five things is there are a lot of things you can look at with your boss, but we are the, we think these are the things that will make the most difference in terms of improving your relationship with your boss. Your job is to essentially deliver results for the organization. A great deal of what you know about the organization and what the organization delivers to you in terms of what results it wants comes through your boss. The better the relationship, the better the communication, the better the communication, the more likely you are to get what you need. In the same way that you want to have a good relationship with your team, it's un- it would be unlikely that you would have a good relationship with everybody in your team and they would not have one with you. Um, in the same way that you want a good relationship with your team, then obviously um, you would assume that they would have a good relationship with you. Well, in the case of your team, you can push this information out. In fact, one of the points we're going to make at the end is, gosh, please um, ask yourself whether or not these things are known by your team. And if they're not, make sure you talk to them about them. Um, but, But these are the things we recommend you do to improve your relationship. We're not going to manage your boss. If you try that, um, you'll probably be unsuccessful, fabulously so. Um, yeah, you'll get a chance to try it with a different boss later on. Yes, exactly. You can do it serially in, in shorter and shorter order every time. Um, but but basically, these are the five things that you can find out reasonably quickly. And if you'll just be intelligent about acting on this information and the context in which they describe your boss's world, um, you will be more effective in creating a relationship with your boss. And that's the key. What we're talking about here is creating a relationship with the boss. So, yeah, we got through goals and communications. Um, and and uh, obviously, we'll pick right up where we left off with schedule and time management. So so how, how does paying attention to your boss's schedule or his time management help you with his relationship? Well, I, I'll give you a, a really good example. The person who's working on a project on Tuesday at 2 o'clock 
and says, you know, I really need some insight from the boss, and I'm really going good here. I came back from lunch. I'm feeling really good. But I've had an hour, hour and a half without too many interruptions. I'm going to go get a quick question and answer from the boss, and I may have a chance to really make, you know, a lot of headway this this uh, this afternoon. And he walks down, and the boss is in his office, and so, you know, and the boss has an open-door policy. He says, hey, boss, you got a minute? And the boss kind of grimaces but says, yeah, because he wants to have a good relationship with his folks. And the guy sits down, and he's taking 30 minutes. And finally, at the end, and he doesn't feel like he's getting anywhere. He's taking 30 minutes. At the end, he, uh, the boss says, look, I really got to go. I got to one home with my boss. And you realize suddenly that all the papers that have been on his desk, it's stacked up. He was working on them before. He's been looking at them 10 times in the 30 minutes. He hasn't done anything with them because he's trying to appear to be listening to you when, in fact, he's not. He's thinking about his one-on-one at 3 o'clock. He gathers all those papers up, which clearly he's not done with, puts them in a folder, not not neatly at all, and walks out the door and says, hey, I'm sorry, I got to go. Let's talk about this later. He didn't get done what he wanted to get done. You absolutely did not get done what you want to get done. You know politically you just stepped in it because you take, took the last half hour that um, that he had to get ready for a meeting. For all you know, he's going to be briefing the boss on one of your projects, and the boss is not going to be sold because he's not ready. And you go back to your desk realizing, I not only wasted a half an hour, but I'm further behind now because now I'm bummed out, and now the boss is going to be less excited about hearing about this project next time. All that, all that stupidity, because you didn't take the time to know that your boss has a one-on-one with his boss at 3 o'clock on Tuesdays. Well, isn't it, you know, I mean, he's your boss. Isn't it his responsibility to to tell you to come back later? I mean, he's the one accepted accepted you coming to his office and interrupting him. Why, why is it your responsibility to, to manage his time? Well, I, I would argue that um, it, it's your responsibility to manage your relationship with your boss, clearly. Uh, it's not your responsibility to manage your boss's time. And, yes, your boss could um, could very easily have said no, and that would have been absolutely reasonable. But think about it for a minute. You're, you're essentially saying um, he's responsible, yeah, and he's also responsible for an open-door policy. Most accidents happen because of conflicting priorities. He's got a priority of being open to you, and he's got a priority of taking care of the boss. And they came in conflict, and he chose one, and arguably it could have benefited you, but it didn't. More importantly, the question is not who's responsible. Um, yeah, he's responsible for his time. But if you continually say to yourself, he's responsible for his time. If he leaves his door open, I can get it whenever I want. And you wonder why everybody else has a better relationship with him than you because you're not sensitive to his time. And you are responsible for at least half of the relationship. Well, okay, he's responsible for his time. He's messing it up. He gives you time. And then you wonder why you don't do as well on an annual review. Um, sure, right. he's responsible. doesn't mean you get what you want. <laughs> right. Well, that sounds a lot like, uh, what is that you always say to me when, or say to my wife when you come to visit and stay here? Something about being a... Oh, oh, that's the classic. um, It is a a host responsibility to make the guest feel at home, and the guest responsibility to realize that he is not. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds a lot like that to me. So yeah, there's it, it's certainly a two way street. And look, if you want to, if you think your boss is responsible for telling you all this stuff, go sit and pout that you don't know it, and blame your boss. Uh, I'll tell you what, there's a healthy cadre of people, probably millions in America and all around the world, in professional managerial positions, who blame the boss. Uh, in fact, it's often made into quite an art form. You know, it's they. The boss is part of they. So. Um, now, the thing about time management and your boss's schedule is this is one thing you really don't have to ask about. Um, you'll, you'll pretty much learn this part of your boss's world and how it affects your relationship if you just pay attention a little bit. Um, 
So, so the, the key thing here is you need to know what your boss's schedule is. Um, and, and most people say, oh, sure, I kind of know what my boss's schedule is. But, but if it's not published, and I would argue it should be, and quite frankly, yours should be as well. I know many bosses who take, who do a weekly calendar printout, uh, on Monday morning when they come in and they stick it up on their doorway. So when people come and go, they know exactly what's going on and the, their assistant has it on their, in their cube as well. So if somebody wants to know what's the boss doing, there it is. Um, you can see it online in most cases. So many companies use Outlook because there's a way to figure it out when your boss is busy and not. Um, but, but in any event, um, it's as simple as knowing what your boss's schedule is. And, and uh, if it's not published, I think the questions you ought to, I, I would ask you that would tell whether or not you know it is, how many standing meetings does she go to that you don't, um, that she's representing you and your peers, obviously? Um, and those standing meetings, when are they? How often do they change? What are the topics? Um, you know, as you go up higher and higher in the chain of command, there are more and more meetings. Collaborative is the way to go now in major corporations um, and small ones as well, trying to get input from everybody. So there are going to be a lot of meetings, and a lot of them are standing meetings. And you ought to know, if you were in their shoes, the implication of this is, how much time would I want to get ready for a meeting with a VP of finance, with a VP of marketing? Um Perhaps significant amount of time, and so just because there's free time on your boss's calendar for an hour before the meeting with the VP of marketing doesn't mean you want to be in her office taking her time away from getting prepared. Okay? So, some questions you can ask. Um, what, when, where, and with whom are his standing meetings? And again, these are just questions I would encourage our listeners to write down. Keep them somewhere handy. Keep them in your one-on-one notebook. In fact, you could probably put them in the front of your one-on-one notebook and ask one a week. And and over the course of four or five weeks, you're going to know everything you need to know. Um, and if you have a great relationship with your boss, of course, you can just say, look, I'd like to know your schedule better. I'd like to be more sensitive to your schedule. You're busy an awful lot. Let me be sensitive to how you do things. Um, I certainly think perhaps the most important question is, when does he meet with his boss as part of his one-on-one? Or... Separately, when does he meet with his boss as part of a staff meeting? He's part of his boss's staff as well. And can you leave him alone for the hour before it? And wouldn't it make sense for you to communicate this to your team as well so that they will know and they won't butt in on the boss? Something else, after his one-on-one, after the staff meeting, start paying attention to whether or not you get edicts from above during that time. If that's the case, don't schedule a st- don't schedule your staff meeting a half an hour after his, only to get trumped every time because two hours after his staff meeting finishes, he's got a note sent out to everybody with a bunch of changes. Be smart. It doesn't mean you have to have to have your meeting six hours after his. If his is Tuesday and yours is Thursday, that's fine. But if his is Monday afternoon and yours is at the same time, um, you may end up delivering stuff that ends up being late, or you may hold off stuff until a week later that's not effective. Okay. Some other questions that you ought to ask that aren't necessarily about meetings, but nonetheless I think play a role because everybody handles time uh, or at least their priorities and, and schedule differently. When is he or she busiest? As, as, you know, um, is busy, are they busy morning or late afternoon? Some people aren't morning people. Some people are. Uh, some people want to be busy in the morning, but they want to be left alone for quiet time. Um, so when is he busy, but when is he not busy, but he wants to be left alone? And and this also includes being smart enough to know what kind of response you're getting when you're asking for time. If you ask for time on Tuesday mornings and he gives it begrudgingly, stop asking for time on Tuesday mornings and ask Monday afternoon or Tuesday afternoon. 
Regardless of how convenient it makes for your schedule, his schedule has relevance as well. Um, some other things that are just sort of preferences. How tightly does he run his time? Does he tend to be on time or not? Don't adopt his standard if he's not on time, though. Um, how much at risk will you be if you handle time differently than he does? Uh, uh, something else, too. What nights does he tend to go home on time? What nights does he feel comfortable staying late? What is, how does he or she handle night and weekend emails? Um, and now, I will tell you, for most jobs, 95% of the jobs I know, if your boss is in a habit of sending you weekend emails with deadlines over the weekend and you feel your family is important, you need to start looking for another boss. Um, that's essentially the way he or she handles time. There's nothing inherently wrong about it. It's terribly ineffective and inappropriate, uh, except for certain jobs. Um, uh, but but if you don't like it, uh, it's unlikely to change simply because you delay or resist or complain. That's not going to happen. Talking about being sensitive to people's um, schedule, I, I remember somebody who whose boss, he, he had a difficult time with his boss, and his boss started developing some animosity toward him. And he's trying to figure out why, and he had a habit of going every Thursday afternoon to talk to his boss about any particular problem. He wanted to kind of get ahead of it on Thursday so he could do his planning for the next week on Friday. Um, and it turns out, it took him a while to figure it out, but it turns out that his son had a soccer game every Thursday. And yet he was in his boss's office just as his boss was trying to get out of there to get to his son's soccer game. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was pretty odd. When he figured out what it was, it's pretty obvious. But the the point was that his his boss wasn't necessarily, I think it goes back to that kind of whole open office thing. He didn't, yeah. He didn't feel comfortable telling a subordinate, well, i got to get out of here because my son's soccer team. Yeah. I, I think that that made the boss feel a little bad that maybe he wasn't being professional himself. Yep. Um, um, something else I've noticed, um, a lot of people assume that everybody's life is like theirs. Um, I, I had never encountered, when I started working with you in D.C. years ago, the fact that most senior managers and executives didn't go into the office till 9.30, 10 o'clock in the morning. Nobody. And the reason why is because traffic was so bad in Washington, D.C. If you left the house at 7, you would get there at 9 or 9.30. Or if you left at 9.30, you'd get there at 10. And so everybody was doing everybody was doing email for hour and a half, two hours, three hours sometimes in the morning. Um, it was very different. And, and that time of email, a lot of stuff happened. Um, and so that was one of the cases where I learned that the normal rule, which is generally true, which is don't do email first thing in the morning, was actually changed by the traffic patterns and the, the traffic issues in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, now, and everybody tended to stay later during the day, too, because they felt guilty that they hadn't been in the office eight hours, even though they've been working since 7 o'clock in the morning. Let me ask a question. What do you think about the the balance between um, scheduling meetings ahead of time with your boss versus kind of walking in unannounced? The reason I mentioned this, I had somebody who, frankly, I appreciate quite a bit, and this particular person rarely, if ever, walked into my office and said, hey, Boss, can you chat about X? What he did is he sent out me. An, he sent me an email, email beforehand. He scheduled it. He told me what he wanted to talk about. He put down some talking points so I could give some thought to it before being surprised at the the last minute. Um, and in fact, he always scheduled his meetings ahead of time. And I didn't. Not everybody did that, and I, I certainly didn't require it. But well, I tell you, a- after a while, I yeah, 
I yeah, love the um, <laughs> You're absolutely right. Now, there are two thoughts on that. The first one is you can wish that for your from your directs all you want, but some people just don't handle time well. They just think that when they want something, they want something, and they tend to be uh, they tend to be fairly impulsive people, or if not impulsive, uh, um, just very outgoing, gregarious. They tend to be their t- workspaces tend to be sloppy. Um, they tend to um, um, be late to meetings. Uh, they describe it as well. It's all about people. It's funny. My my life has been all about people, but I am pretty rigorous about being on time for meetings and so on. Um, I like being. 10 minutes early. Um, but yeah, those people are like that, and they're just shocked. In fact, if you were to tell somebody now, hey, listen, all I need you to do is give me a little bit of heads up, Th- those people who want to walk into your office would feel affronted and would say, well, clearly he doesn't have an open door policy. When in fact, open door has been twisted around. I- I'm a big believer in open door, but the original definition of open door is not what people use it as today. And we'll have a whole podcast sometime in the future about open door policies and how to handle it. But when the CEO of Walmart has an open door policy and somebody who's gotten fired calls him and he takes a call at home, um, that ought to prove you something about, yes, even senior people have open door policies. But to, to, to be very clear, it is absolutely reasonable for me to say to my direct reports, hey, look, I want to be available to you. And I also want you to respect my schedule. And I'm going to respect yours. I'm not going to walk into your office whenever I want and just... Um, ask for X, Y, and Z. I may want something on Monday and wait till the staff meeting on Wednesday and ask for it by Friday simply to give you time to be respectful because I used to be in your shoes. That said, we'll be a lot more effective. I would prefer if you sent me a mail in advance or a text message or an SMS and said, I, you know, um, can I get 15 minutes? And, and, and I'm only going to take those 15 minutes. And what I want to talk about is X and my concerns are this, 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 and this. And sometimes, you know, the answer back is we don't need to meet. The answer is two, or the answer is no, or the answer is yes. Um, so, yes, I absolutely think that is an, a, a totally appropriate way to do it. I, I didn't include it at this level of my in our show notes, Mike, because I, I really doubt that there are a lot of people out there who can who can be comfortable with that. I just want to teach the concept of being sensitive to the boss's calendar. You're you're actually talking about something that I would teach. Next time, you know, in more more detail. I love it. I think it's absolutely right. I just think um, a lot of people will struggle with that. Those people who want to be able to go in and talk to their boss, they're just going to want to go in and talk to their boss. But it's not effective. It's only effective if um, if your boss has a style like yours. And you know what, folks? About a quarter of the people in the world have a similar work style as you do. One quarter. So roll the dice. If your boss is like you, lucky you. You got a 25% chance of, of winning. Um, but but if you do that and you get comfortable and you think all bosses are that way because it's your first boss, and the next time you get a different boss, it's different. Um, you know That's one of the reasons manager tools exist is to give you a sense of, hey, things might be different, and you need a set of skills that will work in all situations. If your boss is similar to you, it's going to be a no-brainer. But if he or she is different, you need something to fall back on and say, okay, what are the basics I need to ask myself in order to make sure I have a good relationship with somebody who handles time and priorities differently than I do? So great question. Thanks. Okay. So so I, I understand the importance of taking this all into consideration. Um, that makes a, a lot of sense to me. How do you go about finding out this information? Do you, do you recommend that? You go to your boss one day and say, "Hey, let me uh, interview about your well, work schedule." Well, I'd say, I'd say or, two. The answer is no. Is that the way to do it, or how else? <laughs> I would, would you not. Go? But look, if they work for me, um, you know, I think about management all the time, 
And I, if they work for me, I would say, wow, this person, I'm going to love this person. They're going to be sensitive to me. I expect them to follow up. But the vast majority of bosses don't think that way. Management kind of disappears. It's kind of like the old saying about, you know, don't ask the fish about the water. Don't ask the manager about he or she manage, how he or she manages, because then they're afraid you're going to find out that they really don't know what they're doing. So no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't interview him. Um, I recommend asking your peers, those who report to him or her, who have more experience. Hey, when are when are his standing meetings? Those kind of questions, the ones we already mentioned. Look, asking his assistant for a printed copy of the weekly schedule is a good way. Um, and 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 look at your calendar for meetings he's called, and then you know that um, he's obviously working around that. If you've been working for him for a couple of months and you feel the relationship is good, I would certainly ask a few questions. So you know, last week I came in and it was clear you were busy. I would love to know when your standing meetings are, or I'd love to be able to ask, you know, to be able to look at your calendar for the week um, from your assistant, so I can know what to expect in terms of when not to to bug you. I would certainly be respectful of that. Pretty simple. Um, that's and by the way, time management is is not the first one. I, I think goals and communications are uh, the top two. But even though communication is critical, and I talk about it all the time, my favorite one is time management. And I want to go back to that point because one fourth of people in the world tend to manage time the way you do, um, and so three fourths don't. And what that means is somebody who, you know, I, I tend to be pretty sensitive on time. It's really been helpful for me to understand when people are different than me. It causes me to put a clutch in it. I'm a pretty good communicator, but but if somebody manages time different, differently from me, the issue is not that we manage time differently. The issue is conflict that arises and how we handle it. And if I'm different from my boss, I own the response. I feel responsible when there's conflict because I didn't know, I didn't handle a situation well. So knowing this one, this is this happens to be my favorite, even though it's the third most important. I'm sure your bosses in the past have appreciated you. <laughs> and I've had some interesting bosses, too. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've known at least one of them, we, and we won't go into that. <laughs> um, okay, good. Uh, anything else on uh, boss schedule time management, or can we talk yeah, about and, the, you uh, know, I, your boss's I, work I, style? I struggle to find a good descriptor for this, but basically when we talk about work styles, we're asking about something really simple. Uh, although it's it's hard to to figure out to discern it, uh, particularly if you're new, um, and the question really boils down to what level involvement does he or she want to have on what topics. Now, the way you ascertain or you ask that is say, what does he tend to delegate, and how involved does he want to be? Okay, so what I recommend. Um, is, first of all, paying attention, finding out what his responsibilities are. You can go back to your goals and then find out what tends to get delegated to you that isn't necessarily specifically related to your team. Okay. Now, uh, staff meetings are a good place to find this out. What What is he assigning to people to do um, uh, in staff meetings? Or when you talk to your peers, what projects are they working on for the boss? You're, you can find out pretty quickly what your boss tends to delegate and what he or she tends to hold on to. Um, I have found um, that uh, most bosses tend to pay very close attention to projects that have high visibility. Um, and even if they delegate it, they tend to get involved a great deal. Uh, and most bosses tend to be very careful about people and finance issues. Now, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Um, I happen to be very involved in people issues, but like delegating them, and I happen to not get involved terribly much in finance and love to delegate that as well. Um, but I find that many bosses don't delegate the financial piece, budgeting piece, even though 
budgets are better when you get more input. Um, it's harder, but better. Um, and people issues as well, because people mistakenly believe that everything is confidential, which is absolutely not true. Um, the, the real question, though, is delegation, what they tend to delegate and not, is, is a good thing to know. The real power, though, is how involved is your boss, does your boss like to be? And and I like to to ask to to figure this out by asking a simple question. Does he want to tell us what to do or does he want us to tell him what we've done? And that's a question of is he involved or is he asking me to report? Um, neither one is right or wrong. Some bosses like to m- manage in a great level of detail. They will not describe themselves as micromanagers probably, um, but they'll want to tell you what to do and when to do it and how to do it. Um, and if you want to get upset about that, you can get upset about that. You're, you know, you're entitled to your emotions. Um, it's not effective, um, and you may think that you can change your boss, but the chances are pretty slim about that. But just knowing that he is a micromanager and cluing your people in that he or she is a micromanager will make a great deal of difference. Um, now, do you find that that uh, their level of uh, micromanagement, if you will, in terms of the level of detail they want, um, do you find that that changes with uh, topic as well? You made a distinction earlier about in terms of what level of involvement does he want to have on what topics, and I think that's a critical distinction is that you know, managers don't necessarily treat each topic or area of Yeah, that's the confluence of the, the two topics, exactly, the two issues here, Mike. Exactly right. Delegation and involvement, yeah, there are some things he delegates, but he's going to be very involved. There are other things he delegates, he's not going to be involved. So you've got to know what he delegates and what he doesn't, and then of that which he delegates, which ones he's going to be involved in, because the scope of the project is too big or whatever, um, he can, he has to delegate it, but but he still wants to be involved because it's an area that's important to him. So, yeah, it's the connection between those two. If you think about that in advance, you can give good guidance to your folks if you're delegating or, or for yourself, obviously, if you're going to be doing the majority of the lion's share of the work, knowing what to expect in terms of involvement. Absolutely. You know, some bosses say, this is exactly how I want it done. Now, uh, it's neither right or wrong. It's just different. When I delegate something, I, you know, people come to me and say, uh, you know, what do you think about this? And I say, well, I, I don't know. What do you think? That's why I gave it to you. There's a great quote um, from Eisenhower um, when he was president. Um, the Secretary of Defense, I believe, was doing some restructuring and uh, send him a note and say, listen, I'm thinking about putting the Marines here. I'm thinking about doing this with the Army or whatever, and I'm wondering if we could talk about it. And uh, he wrote back a note to the guy saying, look, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm busy running the country. That's why I have you running defense. Won't you please run defense for me? <laughs> you know, he just, he, he, it, it, that guy was running defense. Okay, fine. Um, um, now, I, I, I'm not Eisenhower. I'm not, I'm not Woodruff. But, I, but if I delegate something to you, I, I don't want it back. I want it done. Um, and I delegate it to you because I believe you can do it even if it's going to be a stretch. Other people delegate it and then want daily updates. Um, now, there's one thing, you know, people who tend to delegate are death on, which is continual reports of, well, we're on track, and then in the eighth, the seventh of eight weeks saying, no, we're behind schedule. That would be the kiss of death. Um, but I'm sorry, I'm a little too far afield. The bottom line is know what he or she delegates and then know the level of involvement. And if you find the level of involvement too extensive, you may suggest, hey, can I report to you on this on a regular basis, maybe twice a week, maybe once a week? I wouldn't suggest more than once a week, but it depends on how short-lived the time frame of the project is. Um, 
but you need to know how your boss interacts with those projects and those delegations, and you need to come up with a plan for communicating around that work that satisfies your boss, because your boss is going to be satisfied one way or the other. Yeah, that's great. That's great stuff. Um, man, I tell you, people take this stuff and use it. They're going to be heroes. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we talked about time management, boss's work style. Um Boss's relation. What, what's that all about? Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of people tend to think vertically when it comes to their boss. For some reason, Mike, and this is actually one that I've added to this, to the boss relationship in probably the last year and a half, two years as I've done more executive coaching, um, I've noticed um, that people tend to think very narrowly and linearly and vertically when they think about bosses. Below them, beside them, they have a, this network and it kind of... It's a, it's a pretty active and dynamic network, but when it comes to bosses, boy, whew, they just narrow right down. Now, when you, and when you get higher up, you don't want to try to have a great relationship with five people at your boss's level. But what I've discovered is when I ask people about their boss's relationships because their boss has peers, obviously, unless she's the CEO, uh, their boss has peers and you want to know who their, who their best relationships are with and who their enemies are and so on. Isn't it funny to get higher? The enemies get more clear. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so what I find is we really have to encourage people to to broaden their scope beyond the laser up to their boss and ask themselves, who does the boss have relationships with, and which are strongest, and which are positive and negative. So, there's, so there, it's a three part question. Who who does he have relationships with? And obviously that would include all of his peers. Which are positive and negative, and then for each of those positive and negatives, friends or enemies, if you will, how strong are they? Some people may be not a big enemy, some may be a mortal enemy, some may be best friends, some may be an associate or a relate, just an acquaintance. Okay? And there are a couple of ways you can figure this out, but this is definitely not something you need to tackle right away. It's not something you need to know in the first three months on the job. You don't need to be poking around with an assistant asking him who the boss, asking her who the boss's friends are. Um, but, uh, okay, hold, hold on a second. So, okay, now why is this important? Well, it's a, it's a good question, and uh, you and I were talking about it, and we thought it might be a good idea to ask our listeners that question. Why is this important to you? Um, w- what's the value of being of being aware of relationships that your boss has with other people outside of his or her boss in the organization? What's the value of understanding that to you? And uh, we'll only accept answers that are posted on the website, not, not, not no emails to show at manager tools. Okay, it's got to be posted on the website. Um, and the first one with the right answer um, gets a free copy of either the effective executive, getting things done, or the world is flat, Tom Frieden's book that we've talked about. Your choice, mailed to you, and because... Apparently, it means something to some of y'all. We will, uh, Mike and I will both sign it because we've had some people ask that uh, before. So you tell us why it's important to be sensitive and aware of relationships your boss has uh, across the organization. And the first one with the right answer gets a free copy of Effective Executive, Getting Things Done in the World is Flat. Your choice. People probably don't realize this, but I don't know the answer to that question either. So, um, <laughs> off, offline, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell Mark what I think my answer is, and we can report next week whether I get it right or not. <laughs> and if I get it right, I get a book too. How's yeah, yeah there you go. That's fair. 
Have I not already given you a copy of The World is Flat? Or did you get that one on your own? No, it's it's probably the one book on my entire bookshelf that you did not buy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, so we'll we'll look we'll look forward to the uh hearing what people think about that. Um Yeah, in fact, lately, have you noticed, Mike, we've had some very interesting um discussions on the website. Yeah, there's some um, really smart people listening. Just really interesting ones. We had some comments about the show style, and then we had some questions. Um, I ended up posting some very long answers, some questions about uh, bosses and so on that I thought were very helpful. Um, I mean, the questions were very insightful. Um, they tended to go a little bit different than what the podcast was, and we love that. We love people who are thinking when they're listening, uh, and we're we're glad to answer when it won't take an hour of our time to do it. It, but you often do spend an hour of your time doing it. So. Uh, yeah, we're not, you're not supposed to talk about that. <laughs> you don't write those like All we're doing is serving yeah. our audience. We're just taking care of the community. That's yeah, what we're doing. Look at those notes, and you know you're not spending five minutes on them. I can see that for sure. Okay. Between the two uh, podcasts, I think we've covered all those things. Any any other any other areas you'd like to talk about or any special tips you might have in this area? Before we g- give a high-level overview, which we said we'd start doing, I, I want to mention – three things that you can do that will help you create a good relationship with your boss. Not manage your boss, (laughs) but create a good relationship. Look, figure out how to have weekly one-on-ones with your boss. That's number one. If it works for your team, it'll work for you and your boss. If you have to couch it as an update meeting, fine. Ask for a half an hour and only take your 15 minutes. Uh, If he wants to go longer than the 15 minutes that you take, let him take over. Uh, and you'll end up having something approximating a, a one-on-one. Um, obviously, don't do this until you're starting to do it with your team. Do, do one-on-ones with your team, and you'll learn a lot. If you get through your 15 minutes and he cuts you off when you're done, in other words, you've done your report, you'll be done 15 minutes early, and you're, if you're smart, you'll let it go at that, and you'll be giving him or her 15 minutes back of their schedule. You're getting the best you can get out of him or her based on the schedule, so that's good. Secondly, um, I would really fall on my sword for quarterly performance reviews. Ask your boss for an hour to get feedback over the previous three months. Okay, you can ask. If, if, you, if she doesn't give it to you, fine. Uh, fill out a review form and get it to him. Uh, the great thing about that is you will much more likely have a, a better review and a less contentious review at the end of the year if you're reminding him and he doesn't have to dig out from you or go back through a lot of stuff your year in review the last thing bosses want and you all know this now if you've listened to the podcasts on how to do reviews you don't want to be surprised by what your employees think about how they're doing well you he won't be or she won't be surprised if you've been telling them throughout the year um and and again you you may not get a great deal of feedback and it may take three or four or five times of asking but if you don't, if you're not getting any feedback, and you're not asking, and you're not asking this question, you're not doing all you can to make sure you get feedback to help yourself. Okay. Um. By the way, I always joke about this, but it's just so I, it's convenient that we have quarterly performance reviews. Well, it's not convenient. It's, um, it's Machiavellian, perhaps when I when I dreamed this stuff up. But, um, y- y- every quarter you should not only be preparing for a review with your boss, you should also be reviewing your resume. This is the time, you know, for an hour or hour and a half, once a quarter, review the previous quarter and ask yourself what's new on the resume, what needs to change, and so on. Um, it's almost as if we knew what we were talking about, Mike. And yeah, and, and then the third thing is, please, whatever 
if you learn nothing else from this podcast, all this stuff, if you're thinking it would be interesting to know this about your boss, don't you think your people would be interested to know this about you? So please share this with your team for you, from your perspective, not just from your bosses, but from your perspective. Don't make them ask. Walk through all five areas. Um, as, as somebody said to me once, do a Jerry Maguire and help them help you. Hey, look, this is how I like to work. This is what works for me. I'm flexible, but here are the simple things that uh, if, if we do these things well, our lives will be that much easier together. Okay, so five areas. First is boss goals. That's the most important thing. This is kind of that high-level review that some of our folks have asked for. You should you should start with ask, by asking, what are you responsible to your boss for? Um, and that that's what I mean is what I'm asking my boss now, what does my boss owe her boss? Okay, and we've listed a set of questions. I'm not going to go through all those questions, obviously. And the second part of this is, what's my role in helping you achieve that? Okay, um, and it's absolutely reasonable in this situation to have a separate meeting with your boss just around his goals and how you help him or her achieve that. Um, I, and I encourage that to happen, that knowledge to get inside your head within 30 days, one way or the other. Next is boss communications. Um and you need to know whether your boss is a listener or a reader, because that helps a great deal. If she's a listener, brief her verbally first and follow up with a report. If he's a reader, send a memo first and then follow up with a briefing. You should know things like voicemail versus email, how meetings are run, um, what kind of handshake. You don't need to mimic your boss, but moving in that direction is enormously helpful. Um, in terms of boss and uh, in terms of schedule and time management, you should know what your boss's schedule is, standing meetings and so on and when they're busiest, and how they handle time in general. And if possible, you should know your boss's schedule every week. When it comes to work style, you should know how they delegate and how involved they are and how you can report to them to keep them from being too involved. And then lastly, you should know the relationships you have, your boss has with other people in the organization, um, who he or she meets with regularly that may not be um, a standing meeting in terms of the official meeting criteria for the company, but still very valuable for your boss. And, and that's because? And that's because, they well, they should know that because if they tell us the answer, we'll send them a book. Oh, damn. I thought I might get something there. No, nope, okay. no, nope, sorry. I'm convinced. And, and, and again, you do, um, the, the way, ultimately, all, those, all that is information that's powerful. The activity that will help you get there in terms of your relationship most quickly, or weekly one-on-ones, that quarterly performance review. And then, of course, please do share all this with your team about you. And that's our high-level wrap-up. Probably fast, but as best as I could do. That was great. I'm sure people appreciate that. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right, my friend. Yep. Take care. Good stuff as always. Thanks for joining us today. As always, Mark and I hope you found today's podcast useful. Now, don't forget to go to the website, www.manager-tools.com, and see if you can answer the question as to why is understanding your boss's relationships with others important. Besides perhaps winning a book, we'll have a lot of fun with it. With that, thanks again, and we'll see you again next week.